overtime. Michigan wins by a score of 27 to 24, and the team storms the field to mob Chris Perry. WCBN Sports, 88.3 FM, Ann Arbor, WCBN.org. Grabs on to attempt it for the Wolverines. Holds her breath Ann Arbor as Navarre gets set. Places down, kick is up. It's long enough. It's good! It's good! Michigan wins the game! Michigan shocks Washington, and the Wolverines are victorious! Good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And I've never seen fog quite this thick. That's right. It is good grief. It's still foggy out there. Yeah, this is uh, rather remarkable. Uh, You know, it's interesting to note that NASA uh, found ice on Mercury. There's ice on Mercury and no snow in Ann Arbor, and it's December. But uh, That's weird. No evidence of any global warming. It's a conspiracy of science. But uh, I guess it has actually been quite cold in Russia, so at least it's cold somewhere. But uh, it's always cold in Russia. Spiritually always. cold as well. Spiritually cold. <laughs> yeah, the Cold War continues in a certain sense. Well, obviously, uh, we're getting into the silly season with uh, all sorts of the usual political problems beginning to rear their ugly heads again. I just wanted to give out a brain damage award to Israel for expanding settlements following the U.N. vote. Uh, I'm sure you saw that the Palestinians overwhelmingly won a sort of symbolic vote regarding observer status at the U.N. I think the vote was something like 100 and. 50 to 9 with about 28 abstentions, something like that. Those are the rough ballpark figures. And Israel's response was to expand settlements. Brilliant. Well, one wonders if the sanctions which they've imposed on uh, uh, Palestinian authority 
their refusal to pay taxes, which they collect in the Palestinian Authority's name and then feed back to them. I think there's $100 million worth of uh, those taxes that they're going to keep, hold. Uh, one wonders if uh, this overwhelming vote suggests that Israel itself might be subject to some sort of sanctions uh, if these sort of uh, recalcitrant uh, posturings uh, continue. Uh, the settlement activity is illegal uh, in every sense of the word, and yet it's really been an ongoing part of the Likud party's approach to the peace process, quote-unquote, is just sort of pave over everything until the facts on the ground say, what Palestinian uh, territory? Uh, get rid of the problem by just continuing to roll along as though there weren't one. Yeah, and, and obviously the United States uh, expressed... Uh, Outrage, well, not outrage, but disappointment in the grave concerns. Grave I concern. think is the yeah. Uh, but it, you know, because this is one of the fundamental issues impairing the so-called two-state uh, solution. It doesn't. It's, it strikes me as deliberately provocative and hardly helpful, uh, given it's also goings on. It's also local politics too, because uh, Netanyahu has to appeal to uh, the extreme right wing of his loose yeah. coalition. And, of course, Israeli politics is fraught with these fragile coalitions that as soon as the uh, fundamentalist parties don't get what they need, oh, the coalition is folded and there's elections again. So there's a lot of pressure on Netanyahu to throw the red meat there to that uh, contingency. Well, it's interesting, too, because I heard uh, Ehud Olmert, who recently survived a sort of a corruption investigation. He used to be a prime minister. He uh, actually on a BBC interview, criticized the expansion of the settlements, claiming that it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't help, and uh, even made a comment about the uh, observer status at the UN. Uh, Ehud Barak also announced that he's retiring from politics. Uh, he's the current defense minister, former prime minister. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of things uh, regarding the upcoming elections don't uh, obviously bode well for labor, um, Olmert, I believe, was actually part of a sort of a coalition government in which the uh, actual government of Israel was sort of a combination of liberals or labor and uh, Likud. Well, then there's the uh, new Kadima party, too, that sort of arose out of the ashes of Ariel Sharon. Yeah. Um, and who knows how much falls to their uh, share in these upcoming elections. I think there's there's a lot, if you read the Israeli press, there's a... A lot of frustration with Netanyahu, dis despite uh, those on the right who do continue to support him. Um, this this is a no-brainer, though. The, the, to ex expand uh, settlements uh, at this juncture is just a bizarre fly in the face of reality. It's also interesting to note, by the way, that the, in neighboring Syria, the uh, the civil war continues to worsen, uh, as well as the refugee problem. There continue to be uh, incidents at the Turkish-Syrian border, for instance, and uh, refugees seem to even be attempting to get into Israel from Syria. So uh, things have changed mightily uh, in the region. The Arab Spring is uh, not looking very fertile. 
Indeed, um, it's a barren Very one. messy. Um, yeah, and the New York Times is reporting today that there's uh, movement. Uh, the Syrian army is, is beginning to move uh, their chemical weapons supplies. Uh, very disturbing uh, prospect, that. Yeah, and interestingly, on that note, uh, the uh, a recent uh, American um, sort of internal military intelligence analysis said that uh, a, a war in which America presumably would be involved in the Syrian conflict uh, because of the chemical weapons would uh, probably entail 75,000 American troops. That John just, McCain is ready to go. Yes, his space helmet is still missing in action. Well, um, he can lead the first uh, the first charge. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he, while Susan Rice is back in the news last week with her uh, little... Um, Sort of diplomacy, uh, you know, trying to soothe the, the, the ruffled feathers in, in Congress, and that doesn't seem to have worked. It's obvious to me that most of that's politics. Some of it is probably a vicarious form of attacking Hillary Clinton as well. Mm. Uh, obviously, it's too early to be talking about 2016, uh, though the perpetual American campaign never ends, as we've seen with the Oh, this the silliness about this fiscal cliff, and I don't know who even came up with that expression, but I hope that's one of those terms that uh, goes out of the door with the uh, upcoming new year. Because one way or another, we're either going over it. I don't think that will be the end of the world, by the way, and I think that Barack Obama holds all the cards uh, in this dispute. Um, this whole melodrama. It is indeed a melodrama. Um, reminds me a little bit of somebody that has gone into therapy and has agreed to do all sorts of things to reform their evil ways. And then... I'll never touch another drop. You know, months later, after everything is... Come the dawn. You know, a after every excuse and every can has been kicked down the road. and I mean, this is an agreement that Congress made with itself. Right. So the idea that the president's supposed to put a plan on the table, and, he, and by the way, I mean, for the record, he has. It's, it's the virtually non-existent Republican plan that's uh, missing in action along with John McCain's space helmet. Well, as you've mentioned before, uh, one of Congress's primary functions is to settle a budget. Yeah, that's their job under Article One, Section 8. Uh, Actually, I have my Constitution, my little Robert Byrd-style pocket, pocket version that I can whip out here in a second. It's behind my chair. I have it in my backpack uh, in case I need to quote the Constitution. <laughs> my Gray Matters backpack. But yeah, this uh, this whole thing is, is is absolutely absurd. I regret not having woken up a little earlier today because that gnome, er, uh, Grover Norquist, oh. was on Diane Reem's uh, show this morning, and I only caught the last 20 minutes. But just listening to his disinformation, his historical gobbledygook and, and confusing things and trying to defend his role in uh, the pledge. We have the pledge versus the fiscal cliff. Right. And boy, it does look a lot like marriage therapy to me. <laughs> Dysfunctional marriage. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what's going to ultimately happen, um, but uh, I think that uh, Barack Obama should simply 
stand firm and allow the fiscal slope to happen. That's what will inevitably happen and make them piecemeal and go back and uh, fix the uh, agreement that they made with themselves. Because this is essentially about a deficit reduction concept that evolved uh, in the aftermath of the debt ceiling crisis, the artificial crisis that the House Republicans, John Boehner will go down in history as probably one of the worst speakers of the House. He can't keep his caucus in order. Shortly after the election, he calls for House members to get, you know, shape up and uh, be prepared to compromise. And now we're just back into the perpetual campaign again. And it's uh, very... Disheartening to to watch all this uh, continue. It's it's well, it's a willful disregard for the actual functioning of Congress itself. I mean, uh, it's a refusal to do the work. In essence, Uh, there have to be compromises. There have to be tax increases. At some level, you can't uniformly say uh, saying that there can be no tax increases is exactly the same thing as saying there can't be any uh, spending cuts. You know. Why that simple fact can't be realized, okay, well, to have this compromise, we need to have both. Every logical, sane human adult in the country understands that fact. Your household budget is the same. We want to do this fun family vacation. We have to cut back on spending for this. Uh, Try to find new sources of revenue. Uh, It's simple, practical math that even a dummy could understand. Uh, The refusal to uh, raise taxes even on the rich is... As I say, the confession of an inability to do the job. Well, that's what's remarkable. The Republicans are willing to hold everything hostage to continuing uh, to allow the Bush tax cuts to expire. By the way, the the deal that Congress made with itself, because they couldn't do their job over a year ago, and were counting on the fact that they would win the presidential election. Yeah, Romney will win and the whole thing will go away. Well, they were hoping for a, a man on a white horse named Rick Perry, who turned out to be a, a bigger jackass than Fred Thompson. With a white hood in his back pocket. Unable to. And, of course, he's involved sort of vicariously in this uh, infamous uh, Texas secession. Ooh, Texas is going to secede from the Union. Bye. Scary. I hope we boot them out before Make sure they and can... Write. Before the, before can. they can get the job done, yeah, uh, they're of course invoking some technical aspect of the uh, Treaty of Ghent or something, <laughs> <laughs> Santa Ana. Uh, yeah, I don't know the the Texas Constitution. They are claiming justifies their ability to secede from the Union at any time because technically they were annexed. They were never. Actually, in the Union, well, I think they did secede once. Uh, that didn't turn out terribly well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right. But it would make uh, congressional uh, deliberations a lot easier with uh, 24 less Republicans in Congress. So, yeah, let's boot them out before they uh, get an opportunity to secede. Of course, I disagree with the whole premise that the United States even needs to worry that much about the uh the uh, uh, deficit situation, because I think that uh, both Social Security and Medicare are tweakable. It doesn't require much um, actual congressional legislation to fix these programs. Social Security, for the record, is still solvent for uh, at least 20 years, and uh, minor increases in the payroll tax 
uh, rates can fix that, as, as well as most of Medicare. Now, it's the defense budget that troubles me, and that's why I say that the fiscal cliff, which isn't a cliff at all, I, th- I, th- I think of the... Uh, the the, uh, the Rock of Gibraltar, that's where uh, Lindsey Graham Kelly Ayotte and um, John McCain are headed in their Thelma and Louise mobile. <laughs> McCain's doing the driving, and yes, the space helmet is still missing in action. It's rolling around in the trunk. And they're headed right for <laughs> the Rock of Gibraltar after uh, McCain, who uh, seemed to have crashed quite a number of... Uh, American military jets uh, <laughs> as a combat veteran, quote unquote. Indeed, yeah, he's he's used to crashing <laughs> in the same car. He was an expert at crash landing, only he wasn't uh, that character in Catch Twenty Two that was practicing his. Uh, oh right, his uh, escape. Or. Bob, was it Bob Balaban, the uh, the actor that played? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. What a great movie. Yeah. Too bad we can't uh, view well, war so humorously. Uh, one of the great American novels of World War II, uh, Joseph Heller's Catch-22, for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, at least with Social Security and Medicare, we can see the everyday payoff that those represent. That, that's money that serves uh, the actual people of uh, the United States. The military budget, there's very little accountability for the huge quantities of money that are poured down mysterious holes uh, in in Pentagon spending, and we don't really know at the end of the day what we get for all of that money, unlike uh, these other programs, which are, as you say, savable, tweakable, workable. Um, the Pentagon spending is, is completely out of control and has been for decades. Yeah, and the other remarkable thing is that there's not only 30 years of actually palpable American historical evidence that rebuts all of the uh, economic arguments that are currently being made by John Boner Boehner uh, and Grover Norquist and his other minions in Congress, but it's uh, remarkable how the austerity uh, measures that are being entertained in Europe currently are not working either. Um, They, of course, are obsessed with uh, the uh, basically the Merkel... Angela Merkel's plan for uh, solvency, you know, rescuing the euro and whatnot. And the austerity measures that are being employed by conservative governments in, uh, let's see, Italy, uh, Spain, um, Great Britain, the list goes on, are not working and have not worked. Um, So it's a little puzzling why America wants to be so obsessed with this deficit problem. Uh, I'm more in the school of Paul Krugman and Joseph Stiglitz, in which I think there should be more government spending. Recall, of course, that in response to the Great Recession just several years ago, it was China that actually uh, stimulated their economy uh, twice as much as we did, uh, despite all of the complaints about the so-called $787 billion stimulus package, which, uh, by the way, all the empirical evidence shows actually worked. It was the obsession with the debt ceiling crisis and the inability of Congress under John Boehner to um, get things done, solve problems. For the record, by the way, I did see uh, Thomas Mann and uh, Norm Ornstein last week at the uh, talk given by the sponsored by the uh, Gerald R. Uh, Ford, our 38th president, public school of policy, and they uh, uh, basically, are referring. Uh, we're, we're doing a book tour of their most recent books. Uh, it's worse, 
than it looks. Hmm. And uh, they called the 112th Congress the worst in American history. And, of course, they cite repeated anecdotes. One of the most remarkable was when um, Mitch McConnell, who's uh, actually the Senate minority leader. And the jowliest man in Congress. Yeah, he looks kind of like a gopher. Almost Nixonian. He's, uh, I don't know whether he's got chewing tobacco in those <laughs> jowls or what. He's from, towelettes. He's from Kentucky, but he filibustered his own bill. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of the inspired. Mo- that's one of the most remarkable anecdotes in, in, uh, in American history. Uh, he sponsored a deficit reduction committee. It was actually called the Jag, uh, Judd, uh, Greg, Judd Greg. It was called the, uh, Greg Conrad, um, bill that was basically a uh, uh it it sort of became what was eventually the sequestration deal that Paul Ryan uh, sat on he was on the, he was one of the house members of the committee that had to come up with the basic outline of the Simpson Bowles uh, plan regarding uh, deficit reduction fiscal responsibility and all these other wonderful terms that we constantly hear about in relation to the fiscal cliff um the Republicans, of course, refused to raise taxes. Uh, I don't know why taxes is such a uh, ugly word, but there, there's just been this in- interesting substitution lately of the word taxes with the word revenues, which I think yeah. muddies up the waters uh, since it's actually taxes that's uh, the Congress, uh, the constitutional reference to uh, what what we're doing, uh, what what Article One, Section Eight is supposed to be all about. I mean, it's not like the government's going to have a, a craft sale or a baked goods sale. I mean, the revenue is tax. Yeah, and they have enormous debates, of course, we saw during the campaign about Big Bird. I don't know if Barack Obama pardoned Big Bird over the Thanksgiving holiday, but he should have. You know how they always say, right, pardon a turkey. Pardon a turkey, but uh, I'm sure he wished he could have pardoned uh, John McCain, but he wasn't available. <laughs> He was all ripe and ready for stuffing. He was already stuffed and mounted on a wall (laughs) in your nearby Elks Lodge. Giblets lodged firmly in place with horns coming out of his skull. (laughs) No wonder the space helmet doesn't fit. Well, anyway, getting back to an interesting uh, Paul Krugman uh, comment about the debt. Uh, This is actually from almost a year ago in which he uh, talks about the... uh, misleading and uh, silly uh, um, priority of reducing the deficit. He says, but Washington isn't just confused. This is from the 2nd of January uh, 2012. Washington isn't just confused about the short run. It's also confused about the long run. For while debt can be a problem, the way of our politicians and pundits think about the debt is all wrong and exaggerates the problem size. Deficit warriors portray a future in which we're impoverished by the need to pay back money money we've been borrowing. They see America as being like a family that took out too large a mortgage and will have a hard time making the monthly payment. However, this is a bad analogy in at least two ways. First, families have to pay back their debt. Governments don't. All they need to do is ensure that the debt grows more slowly than their tax base. The debt from World War II was never repaid. It was just became That's an correct. increasingly irrelevant as the U.S. economy grew. And 
with it, uh, the income subject to taxation. Second, and this is the point almost nobody seems to get, an overborrowed family owes money to someone else. The U.S. debt is, to a large extent, money we owe to ourselves. That was clearly true of the debt that we incurred during World War II. Taxpayers were on the hook for debt that was significantly bigger as a percentage of GDP than it was today. But the debt was owned by the taxpayers, such as all the people who bought savings bonds. So the debt didn't make post-war America poorer. In particular, the debt didn't prevent the post-war generation from experiencing the biggest rise in incomes and standards of living in our national history. Ah, but this time it's different, you say. Not as much as you think. It's true that foreigners now hold large claims on the United States, including a fair amount of government debt, but every dollar's worth of foreign claims on America is matched by 89 cents worth of U.S. claims on foreigners. And because foreigners tend to put their U.S. investments into safe, low-yield assets, America actually earns more from its assets abroad than it pays to foreign investors. If your image is of a nation that's already deep in hock to the Chinese, you've been misinformed. We are not headed rapidly in that direction. So what he talks about there, and of course there's an, uh, an argument to be made that, that the United States does have a, a debt problem. It's got a structural health care debt problem connected to the budget under mandatory budget mm. responsibilities of the federal government. But those are tweakable. And the latest uh, John Boehner uh, Republican plan that I'm sure was cooked up by Paul Ryan and Grover Norquist calls for Medicaid to be pushed onto the states in which they'll somehow solve the problem. Um, this doesn't strike me as responsible. The point about the debt is that much of the debt is owed um, by, uh, it, it's a transfer payment. Uh, Amer Americans pay out money in uh, current payments to bondholders who collect interest. And the bondholders uh, tend to be American financial institutions, pension funds, and uh, some individual investors that buy these things called T-bills. And, of course, T-bills come in all sorts of maturities. And without going into all the complexities of the short-term financing of the American government, it's not as bad as it uh, is, is, is portrayed. There is no cliff involved here. We're not Thelma and Louise going into the Grand Canyon maybe only six million years old it may be 70 million years old who knows but it's certainly older than what the bible says and if there's anybody intellectually qualified to drive a car right off into a cliff it's the republican leadership in congress <clears throat> and it's about time yeah so you know i i think that uh, Adults, it's time to grow up. Yeah. Uh, the, the solution is quite simple. Uh, just simply pass the tax cuts for the 98% and negotiate all this stuff in the next Congress. But John Boehner doesn't want to do that because obviously the Republicans took some losses. They're not going to be quite, they're not going to have quite as strong a hand in this in the 113th Congress. So good riddance to the 112th Congress. Hopefully Barack Obama will uh, hold tough here and We've get most a, of what he wants. We've had a do-nothing Congress, yeah. I think. I, was that during the Truman administration? Well, he specifically ran in 1948 on the do-nothing Congress, right. yes. And, and so the 112th is just the nothing 
Congress because they they did nothing. They did worse than nothing. They their primary objective was, and they said it right out loud, right at the front of it was, our goal is to prevent this president from being reelected and to prevent anything that he wants to try from happening. Yeah, that was their goal, and they held the entire nation hostage. By the way, it's uh, just about 7 p.m., and you are listening to Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Thanks to Andrew for engineering this evening. If you really want to do something about the deficit and the uh, stability of Social Security, raise people's pay. This is the number one thing you can yeah. do, raise, raise the minimum wage. That would be something constructive that Congress could do, because if payroll... Uh, income goes up, uh, so do payroll taxes, and you increase the solvency of, of the minimum wage. CEOs are making outrageous sums of money. Well, that's just it, because the, the Chamber of Commerce argument against raising uh, minimum wage is going to be, oh, well, that that costs jobs, sure. because then employers can't employ as many people. But when you look at these salaries that the upper echelons receive, that's where the money is, clearly. That's the money that needs to be filtered back down into the the pockets of real consumers, uh, workers. And here's a classic example of the misplaced priorities of uh, our tax uh, code. And, and sure, we, we need tax reform. There's no question about that. But that's a complicated thing for another day. From the March uh, 12th edition of the Progressive, the Dirty 30, according to the U.S. Public Interest Research Group, 30 U.S. corporations have spent more money lobbying Congress than they have on paying taxes. 29 of the firms actually collected tax rebates. This is the insanity that we're dealing with with the tax code. Um, that's what needs to change. And by the way, there was a fascinating, very lengthy article in the November 30th edition of the New York Times about the tax situation over the past 30 years. I highly recommend that article. A very detailed uh, that I can, we can talk more about probably next week, because uh, I doubt that the fiscal cliff will be solved by then. But watch out, Rock of Gibraltar, <laughs> John McCain is headed your way. Well, I guess we're uh, pretty much out of time. Yeah, I think I saw. Jerry I guess Mack we get, Yeah, we got one one minute left. I guess Jerry is uh, is uh, g gathering his. Uh, album's down in the studio so he'll be on shortly oh i had a wonderful thing about the pope and now i've misplaced it one of the old popes oh here it is um well a couple of items but uh this one fascinating uh this from the uh the 13th of october 2007 a 1959 mercedes-benz that belonged to padre pio the 20th century monk said to have had stigmata and supernatural powers and who was elevated to sainthood in 2002 by Cho uh, Pope John Paul II. Will it be was beatification crazy, by the way. Yeah. Will be auctioned in Padua on October 27th. The auction dealer, Coys, said it expected the car to have been given to Padre Pio by a family grateful for a miracle to sell for several hundred thousand dollars. The, in uh, 2005, a Volkswagen Golf fetched more than $266,000 on eBay after word emerged that it may have belonged to Pope Benedict XVI. I'm driving the Pope's car. The Pope Mobile lives. 
going to go pick up Bertolucci and some child prostitutes, and it's going to be a good party. And John McCain. Well, out <laughs> of time. Uh, Yazoo City Calling coming up next right here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.